0: Welcome to The Marketer's Journey, a podcast that delivers real conversations and fresh perspectives
1: from senior marketing executives who share the journey they've taken and the buyer journey they create. And now here's your host, Randy Frisch.
0: Welcome to The Marketer's Journey. Today's guest is Prachi Gore and Prachi's got a very interesting story to share. Roger and I actually got to know each other a couple of years ago. She was working at Smart Recruiters as the VP of Marketing, and she was looking to help their CEO write a book. So I introduced her to our publisher. We got to know each other. We've stayed in touch. and Today, we talk about how she's gotten into these VP roles, part of the executive team, guiding mission and vision. And she actually talks about buying into mission and vision and the importance of that when you find that role that you're going to be VP of Marketing that's so important that we all love what we do, that we believe in the products that we bring to the market and the way we approach that. And when we end up talking in the second half, we go a little into also the idea of how do you take that mission and vision and turn it into messaging? How do you find simple words that are gonna attract your audience and make it easy for them to understand what you do sometimes in industries that are quite broad, yet you have focus? How do you take an inbound approach or top of funnel approach sometimes to pull people in around the topics they're trying to understand and the areas that your business can help? Today's podcast is filled with great nuggets of information. Here's my chat with Prachi Gore. Hey, Prachi. Thank you so much for finding time to chat. And this is not the first time we've synced. We synced earlier in your career on a project. Maybe we'll get to that a little bit later. But, you know, tell us a little bit about how you made the move in this past year to Checker.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it it was an interesting journey leading up to this. But Checker is in the same industry that I worked in. So Smart Recruiters, which is where I ran marketing, I worked there for about four years. Uh, Checker was a partner of Smart Recruiters, so I was very familiar with the product and what the, you know, what the company was doing. And two things were kind of areas that motivated me to be part of this Checker journey. One is they have a really, really strong mission around diversity and fair chance, which was a topic I was introduced to at Smart Recruiters. And we, we were a fair chance employer back then at Smart Recruiters, still are. And I was interested in it, but Checker's mission is just so strong around it and the value like it it literally is like a value in the company everybody lives it and everything they do that was extremely motivating for me beyond just making money and driving pipeline and all of the good things that we have to do and building brands i think having such a core mission that's tied to something other than making money was very very important and exciting for me
0: quick question if i can you know jump in there yeah you know, because yeah You know, understanding a a vision of a company is something that we all need to do as we decide where we're going to go next in our career. When did you start to get that glimpse into Checkers vision? Is that something that through the partnership you already saw and fell in love with, or is that something in the interview stage that you dig deep on?
1: Uh, I had seen that through the partnership and all the conversations that I'd had with various people at Checker. Uh, it was very inspiring. Uh, I definitely did get a lot more of it through the interview process, but it was just something I was aware of already about the company um, and in my in my career, I worked you know I started my marketing journey in at a company called Sunpower, which also had a much Stronger mission that was not only about making money, and that's when I realized that for me personally, having a core mission, you know, driven company is very critical to actually energize me and motivate me. So,
0: yeah, it's such a good point, and, and it you know it makes me wonder just in the moment as we talk about this, you know, who whose job it is it is in an organization to talk about that mission is because when we think mission, sometimes we're not talking about what the company does today. It's what our long-term mission is, what we're working towards. Is that something at Checker, at SunPower that describing the mission, making sure it was public knowledge, lives on marketing? Or is that something that more just the executive team as a whole is trying to figure out?
1: Yeah. I think uh, what is the mission of the company starts at the leader. Now in startups, oftentimes it's the founders or the founder um, or, you know, kind of the first set of executives who really kind of describe, I think, Simon Sinek says, like, what's the why, you know, of what you do? I think it starts there, right? Because there has to be like an a why for why why you do what you do. Uh, but the ongoing kind of communication or the external positioning and communication of that often lives in marketing or with marketing, uh, or if marketing and communications are two separate departments like we had at, at SunPower back in the day, it lived in communication. So it is someone's responsibility to kind of own that the storytelling behind the mission. But I think the kind of the core mission has to be formulated by the top execs and it has to be lived by the exec team because it can't just be like the shiny object that marketing is talking about, but you don't actually live as a company, then it doesn't actually work that way. So.
0: Now, it's that's, that's interesting and it, it's such a valid point and especially as as you're mapping your career. So I interrupted you though in the flow of how you landed into this opportunity, but now we understand it was the mission and we we can... All and understand the importance of a mission. What else brought you in?
1: Um, I think the mission was one. And then the second most important thing for me as I think about like my next career move or opportunity is am I excited about the product? Uh, because at the end of the day, you're building, you know, at least in B2B SaaS or even, you know, in many industries, you're building something around a product. And Checker is disrupting a really laggard industry. It's doing things differently, which was exciting to me. I think I could, you know, wake up every day feeling excited about what we are going and doing as a business, as a product and tell good product stories. So I think those two would be kind of my top reasons why. And then as I went through the interview process, I already knew a few people, but not a lot. As I went through the process, I think the people, people, you have to work with them a lot, so you have to like them. (laughs) So that was kind of a must have for me, but uh, we have a great team.
0: That's great, and, and that team today. You know, just to give some some idea of scale for everyone listening in, uh, the marketing team is about thirty people, which I think includes the SDR team. Uh, but you're growing that team, so you know when you when you talk about having to love the team that you inherit, you know, how many people have you inherited, and how are you gonna, you know, keep what was great about that team? You know, keep that vision, keep that mission, and then it, in, introduce new members. You know, there's always this challenge of the introduction of new team members and getting the those who are in place to stick around through that.
1: Yeah, I think so. I'm fairly new uh, in my journey at Checker, So most of this team is inherited. I think I've hired a few people out of that, but mostly it's all inherited. Um I agree with you. I think you know uh, when I started kind of my journey at Smart Recruiters. I had a smaller inherited team. We did grow it to thirty something people by the time. So you know, growing and building your team is a different journey. And taking a large enough, in, you know, team, inherited team, and uh, driving them towards a common objective and and a you know vision that's exciting and doing that remotely, right? Because I I joined Checker right in the middle of the pandemic <laughs> and. You know, my journey there so far has been remote. And so that adds one layer of challenge. But I think the teams, I think everyone's a good team player in that they want, they're open, they are willing to kind of hear out and see what the future holds. They are open and willing to consider different vision statements and journeys that we would take as a marketing team than what they are used to. So I think the kind of the curiosity, the openness to try something new is kind of an inherent part in most of the team so it makes them resilient through change and a change in a you know key executive or a leader is a big change for a team I did inherit a great team I think they were they were great ICs great leaders anyways Uh, but they were also extremely resilient through a lot of the changes that 2020 has been in general and so that that gave me a lot more to kind of you know focus us in the right direction for the future and and drive the type of culture I'd want to in marketing.
0: That's great. And you know, when when you started off this segment, you you said that, you know, your journey has been interesting. As you look back, you know, roughly 15 years to to the point uh, of where you are today in your career, you know, getting to this VP level is something a lot of our listeners are probably aiming for. And not everyone's going to get to. What is it what can you look back on and say I did this and it got me here? And at the same time, what's something else you wish you had done earlier in your career?
1: It's it's a tough one on like identifying one thing that got me here, but I would say that my objective, no matter what role, even when I was a digital marketing manager 15 years ago, to whatever uh, you know that my title is today, but my goal has always been to drive outcomes. For the business, I feel like I want to see the bigger picture. I want to see what I could do for the business. I don't mind stepping out outside my swim lane, uh, which was you know, which was the case when I was more junior and collaborating with other teams, sharing my points of view, and just kind of trying to drive impact for the business was inherently always part of me which i do think is seen and recognized and therefore either i got a lot of growth opportunities i got more critical projects that were business or if i raised my hand with different ideas i oftentimes got to take on the project and run with it right so trying something different new and having ideas that impact business outcomes does generate growth and opportunity to do something different um i would say that would be the one thing <laughs>
0: If you could have gone into this VP level five years faster, is there something that you look back and say, had I tried this? Had I gone this route? You know, what, what can you, what advice can you give to people listening in?
1: Um, I think, you know, I would say be bold would be the one thing. Like I was, you know, back in the day, maybe this is 10 years ago, but I would I would be very calculated about my risks. I would not, you know, not just kind of debate every, you know, I would, I would kind of be more silent. Um, and not as vocal but if you have a strong point of view if you have a great idea and if it benefits someone's someone else's business not yours share it because they value it they would love it and I think opportunities would have just come even faster (laughs) Uh, yeah but I think be bold if you have great ideas share them like don't be shy I guess would be one advice I would give people that's great
0: that's great. Well, listen, you know, pursuing, as you put it, vision is, is definitely not being shy. It's going and grabbing what you believe yeah. in. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break here, Prachi. We'll be right back to talk about the buyer journey right after this break. Want to improve the buyer journey for your customers and your prospects? Look no further than our presenting sponsor, Uberflip. and we created one just for you. Head to uberflip.com slash journey to see how Uberflip can help you leverage the power of personalized content experiences. dig a little deeper on Khan out Simon Sinek and his book Start With Why. It's a great framework and I wanna encourage a lot of you to take a look at it, read it, even watch the YouTube video where Simon walks through this idea of a circle and the way companies build out their messaging. We took this on at Uberflip ourselves and we've done it more than once actually because as much as you think you've nailed your why, your company's gonna evolve. Our why as an example at Uberflip of why we exist is all about personalized content experiences and how they drive business growth. And then you continue to pull that down to the how we do it. You know, it gets into how your technology comes into play, your philosophy to the beliefs that you may have. And then ultimately what we do really looks at the technology in our case, being tech, it could be a service in your case. Having this framework allows your entire company to buy in. It allows your customers to buy in. It allows you to go out and ensure that people are putting the right messaging out there in the market. And a lot of our talk today, as Prachi is saying, is about simple messaging. So Prachi, you and I met around a project, uh, which is we were Talking about book publishers, you ended up using the publisher I used for my book, for a book that was being worked on it, Smart Recruiters, and a book is very awareness-driven as I think about it. It's, it's about you know ensuring that people understand what you're trying to do, but you get a lot of words to do it, right? You get <laughs> three hundred pages, if not more. How do you go about really making sure people understand what your business is about in very simple terms?
1: Very early in my career, uh, I, I mentioned I come from the consumer marketing world and I ran digital marketing and all marketing there, online advertising was a key part. And the simplicity of your message, no matter what stage of the buyer journey, was so critical. But at the same time, it's not okay to just stay simple and high level. If you have something to say, audiences want you to go deep and provide more context into everything that you have to say. And leading up to the book... The awareness is not just like a flashy few words campaign as I think about it. For me, generating awareness about your business and what you do is really establishing thought leadership. And at Smart Recruiters, we created this whole category around hiring success and what does that mean? And the book was kind of the culmination of bringing all of that together, which is so critical from a top of the funnel awareness standpoint is like how much deep content are you creating to actually educate your audience? Because the audience don't want to be sold do they want to be educated, right? And so, to me, um, that's the importance of any awareness phase and top of funnel journey for the buyer is like how how much can you educate them?
0: So let's dig in around this idea of being in a very busy industry, if you will, but having a unique proposition, right? And and I think that's definitely the case. If you look at a glance at what Smart Recruiters did, what Checker does you know, you'd very quickly throw it onto hiring and, you know, our minds go into different areas like, you know, ATSs and HRIS systems. But how do you start to converse around the thought leadership of all those different elements or really zero in to your sweet spot at the top of the funnel?
1: Yeah. So at Smart Recruiters, we had Hiding Success. It's a recruiting platform, so we do end-to-end everything from first touch to pretty much higher and beyond. And so the concept of Hiding Success was easy to formulate to say, okay, everything we do at Smart Recruiters with our product and our services ties into your success as a Hiding Team. At Checker, Background Checks is all about blocking and Checker entered the market to say, I'm going to make this, you know, we are going to make this faster, efficient, tech, you know, innovative and with tech as an advantage, APIs first, but also our goal is going to be to unblock instead of block. So we go around, how do you unblock candidates? And that's important for the top of funnel, recruiter, sourcer, whoever's doing this is to say, okay, I actually don't want these candidates to be blocked at the end of the funnel. I want them to be unblocked. And the same thing for the hiring team. So I think you have to take kind of the secret sauce of of what you do as a product and what differentiates you and position that into kind of a high level message to say our differentiator from everyone else in a very crowded market is that they all block we unblock, but keep the same level or better of risk and compliance and, you know, all, all trust and safety types of things that you're interested in.
0: I, I'm curious on that, that concept of blocking because it's, it's a very simple way. I mean, if, if anyone here has gone through that final step of, <laughs> you know, often it's a formality, but we still have to do it. And every once in a while, something comes up and you cringe, you know, at what is our next step? How did you determine that that was the language to use at the top of the funnel? That you know, because as you said, it's all about simplicity. It's a very simple term, and and I get it. But what was it that you were able to do to to come to that term and realize this is gonna this is gonna work well?
1: Yeah, and I can't take credit for this at Checker because this term was floating around at the company a long before I got here. So kind of unblocking candidates was something that the company was, you know, built around and driven, you know, the mission drives around that. So I won't take credit for particularly the mission itself, but I think communicating that mission outwardly is something I would take credit for. And I think that term is very easy to understand. Like when you think background checks, yes, you think efficiency and productivity and compliance and adjudication, you think all of those complicated processes, you have to go through it. But at the end of the day, you know, what is the differentiator? it has to be a simple word. And so out of all of the things that we could position, to me, unblocking candidates is has a lot of emotional value too for the recruiter and the buyer because they do want people to be hired. And so it ties in kind of the logical, the mission, as well as the emotional value for the brand, all of it together in a very simple way.
0: So I I think the word that you're using makes a ton of sense. The focus makes a lot of sense. But let's just come back to this idea of of staying in swim lanes of what we do versus you know at the top of the funnel we want to we want to educate people who may not realize this is a problem. So when you think of some of the thought leadership that's created in the different marketing teams that you've run, do you try and stay very focused to the what you're solving? Or if not, how broad do you go? Right? Like to your point, you're not an ATS solution today, but the the buyers you're selling to may also be leveraging ATS solutions. So are you giving best practices across all of HR management, or are you trying to stay within the offering that you have?
1: I think we, so a great example at Checker, we just did the last five months, a campaign around the staffing industry and our staffing eBooks. And we, ha- we just released one, one that is like the state of 2021 staffing with trends. The trends speak to the entire industry it has nothing to do with our solution it's really like agile workforces you know candidate centric so it's like very very industry trends um that were positioned nicely in the book. We've done webinars. We did all sorts of campaigns there. That was the top of funnel awareness. Like Checker has a point of view. We understand what your industry is about. And you know, here's our point of view about it. And here's how we are building product to address it. So it does have to tie down to the product ultimately. But from a top of the funnel standpoint, my goal is to always provide value to the audience. I can't start very narrow at a product specific thing that might not generate the interest that a, industry-specific thing would. So uh, my goal is to generate value for the prospect or the customer. For that, if we have to go broad, we go broad. If we have to be narrow, we could go narrow, too. So an example at uh, Smart Recruiters was when GDPR was new. We did like an FAQs page just on GDPR, which was super narrow, super product-focused, but generated a ton of top of funnel awareness, right? So you could do either. The ultimate goal is how do you provide value?
0: Absolutely. and And... How do you make that connection? I, we're getting into the weeds of execution here, but I, I think people are always curious. So suppose someone comes in around GDPR, which is an area that a lot of us were trying to learn about two, three years ago, but then at some point you got to move away from GDPR. You know, do you do you just hit that list that you've built with the new topic, or do you find ways to kind of bridge the GDPR conversation to your offering i'm I'm not trying to get too specific here but more what's your recipe for making that jump from i brought them in around this topic i want to switch them to a complete different topic can we do that overnight and people just used to that or is there a way to make it more gradual
1: it has to feel natural so if GDPR is pertinent and, and you are, you know, forced to go to a solution that provides GDPR support in, in May, and this is February, I would do a very product-centric message to say like, hey, you have three months. Here's what our product does. Like, you know, if you want to take a demo, take it. If it's, you know, not GDPR, it's something else, like staffing trends, I want to kind of do a slow kind of drip to say, okay, you know, what does Agile recruiting me and what does you know so just go through kind of the steps in a more i guess warmer way and pass them through like a nurture funnel almost to engage them towards product uh but nonetheless no matter how you draw out like the content funnel and the journey at every step every interaction needs to provide value like if you keep remembering it needs to be simple it needs to provide value i think you'll get the engagement that you you want to drive
0: yeah no, it's an interesting topic I and mean, it's it's one i don't expect you to have the answer for and you know i'm just speaking to some of the challenges I've seen myself is sometimes we jump around to these different trending topics. And at some point we have to figure out how they all funnel back to a consistent narrative. As you said, you know, in our first part of the chat, like very simple narrative uh, that people understand. And, And I think sometimes that's hard because we have so many different campaigns to track. It's how do you bring them all back to something that's going to carry over? Otherwise. Even a 30 person marketing team, that's a lot of different topics to remain relevant around.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of messaging waterfalls, so it's kind of like, what's your top level message and what are like related messages and then for related messages? And I don't go beyond like three-ish levels, maybe four maximum, if you have to, but then you stay within those topic trends, like your trends, and everything you say kind of if it stays within those messaging waterfalls you know, topics, I think you still have a way to tie it all back. If you start doing completely random things, that's when it gets hard. It's like, well, how do you bring it all back? And so I am personally a big fan of having like a messaging waterfall of sorts. Uh, Some people call it marketecture, like there are different ways to do this, but a messaging waterfall does help a lot to say, what am I going to talk about? And how's that going to tie back to the top message?
0: That's great. I I like that idea of a messaging waterfall. I think a lot of people are going to be Googling an image of that Project, this has been great. We're gonna keep you around for one more short bit. We'll take a quick break here on the marketer's journey and chat about how you make time for your personal journey right after this break. Sounds good. So Prachi just hit on this idea of messaging waterfall and I kidded that a lot of you are gonna go Google for this. So I did that myself. And I came across a great article by Forrester, Serious Decisions. They're an analyst thought leadership firm for those of you unaware. And they talk about this idea that we have different messaging that we need. Some of us need corporate messaging or buyer messaging. Some need different sales messaging and even customer messaging. And I think it's something we really have to challenge ourselves on is Do we need different messaging for each group or can we find messaging that pulls everyone together? Now, Forrester, kind of brings this all together in what they call the serious decisions messaging Nautilus, very big thinking idea. But I think it's something to discuss amongst your marketing team and really reflect on. What message is out there at different groups? Like Prachi said, is it okay to have different messaging? And is it okay to to kind of veer off into other areas as long as we can bring it back through some sort of waterfall? Or is it really important for us to pick one message and sure, everyone's saying that same answer. I think the answer is somewhere in between here, but it's something to think about today. All right, Prachi, so we've got in your career journey. We've talked about the buyer journey and the simplicity of messaging. How do you simply disconnect? Uh, mm-hmm. How do you make time for a personal journey? I mean, sometimes we get to get away. These days, it's just making time to not work.
1: Yeah, um, I think when the, the COVID, so I take vacations, but in uh, you know unusual circumstances like now, there are two things which I think really help me. One is every morning or every week, maybe now, I write all the things I'm not going to do. And that helps a lot to be less overwhelmed about everything going on. So I literally make a list of like, these are all the things that are on my plate. I'm not going to do it and that's okay. And I, I start my day or my week. And then the second thing I really do uh, diligently now is I take at least two hours a day with no tech, two hours, whatever those two hours I spend doing. But it's like the most, com- one of those is like right before I sleep, but it's the most calming time of the day for me is to just like not have tech around me whether I work out or I'm listening to music or I'm playing with my son. But those are the two things that I just do, you know, very diligently. And it does help me a lot to disconnect.
0: I love that. I love the. I mean, the second one is, is absolutely necessary and healthy. The first one is probably such a nice permission for yourself. You know, to get out of jail, and and obviously we got to make sure that we don't let the same items be on the list for months, (laughs) or (laughs) or we get a much bigger problem. But but I love that, And, and I think it's a it's a nice one for people listening in to try. And and I think a lot of what you've shared today, Prachi, has been really practical takeaways for our listeners. I thank you for sharing. If you're tuning in on this podcast for the first time and enjoying every everything Prachi sharing, check out every week. We've got a great marketing leader. Everyone's journey's a little bit different. I'm sure yours is. And one day maybe you'll share it here on the podcast. Until next time, thanks so much for tuning in.